morning. Great to see you today in the house of the Lord on this chilly morning, but it's warm inside. Let's stand together, if you would, and begin our time of worship, lifting our voice. There is victory, victory in Jesus. Let's sing it together. I have heard it Oh, victory in Jesus, my 
that's what you've come to do today, say amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do come today to praise you. We lift our hearts. We lift our souls, our minds, our attention to you today. Father, we pray that you would look down in this place this morning, that you would surround us with your spirit. Father, you are in this place today. Thank you for visiting us in a mighty way. Thank you for reminding us that with you there is victory. And we praise you for that. Father, thank you for bringing us together in this place today. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, I want you to go and find three people you've not yet greeted yet this morning. Shake some hands. Hug some necks. Tell somebody it's good to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's just praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. God bless you. We are glad that you are with us today in worship. I look around, I see some folks that may be uh, guests of ours, and we are so glad that you are with us. If you have not previously uh, filled out um, a uh, guest card, those are there in the pew pocket in front of you. We'd love to get a record of your attendance today, and you can put that in the offering receptacle right out here on the landing. And uh, we are certainly grateful to have you today. If you're joining us online, either on YouTube or Facebook, we are glad uh, that you are joining us this morning as well. So right now, the choir has a beautiful piece by Cindy Berry entitled, By the Gentle Waters.
Amen. Beautiful. Let's stand together, continue our time of worship together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory, glory divine. Let's sing together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Spirit washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking upon, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. the Lord. 
your voice church sing it again we are standing we are standing on holy ground and i know that there are angels all around Father, we are in your midst, holy ground. You are in this place today with your angels all around us, cheering us on. Father, may our hearts and our minds and our faces be an expression of worship to you today. May we praise you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we praise you with all of our heart. Father, we lift up our pastor today as he brings your word that you would have him share with us today, Father. Give him boldness in his speech. Open our hearts and our minds to hear from you today. And Father, in this time, may we focus on you today as we're here gathered together on holy ground. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 
Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in church today. It's always good to get up here in the preaching time and to see that several people have come in uh, since we were making our way around earlier in the service and welcoming you. So we welcome you to worship, and I'm so glad you've chosen to come. We have some that are normally second service people in the first service today, and I think we're proving that we're wide awake at 830 in the morning. Somebody say amen to that. Now, here's what I've discovered, and I want to see if you believe I'm right. I think most people in general think that their sense of humor is funny. And that's why dads like me tell my kids, hey, I'm funny. And sometimes they they don't exactly agree with me. But, hey, I think I'm funny. And so I like a good groaner. Y'all have learned that over time. And so since we're so awake this morning, I want to begin by offering you a couple of good groaners. Are you ready? Here we go. Did you know that Vincent Van Gogh had a dizzy aunt named Vertigo? And his magician uncle was named, where did he go? His Mexican uncle was named Amigo. His rock star cousin, can you guess it, was named Ringo, his banker uncle, first name Wells, middle name Far, last name Go, Wells Fargo, and then you have his dancing cousin who was named, yes, Tango, and then he had a Chinese bird-loving cousin named Flamingo, his RV traveling aunt was named, first name Winnie, middle name Bay, last name Go, Winnie Bay Go, and finally, mercifully, somebody say amen, his aunt taught positive thinking and her name, yes, was Way to Go. And everybody said, right, that's a groaner. Can you give me a good groan today? One, two, three. All right, very good. So y'all are with me. Now, Pastor, why do you start that way? First, because I want to wake you up. But second, because I want to say way to go. I want to say way to go to Brother Tim and what he did with Disciple Now. We're still celebrating all that happened last weekend. I want to say way to go to you as a church. Way to give your very best to our children's ministry, our student ministry, y'all. The very best ministry that we do as a church has to be aimed at our children and our teens. Isn't that right? And and then I want to say way to go to our Good News Club. As many of you don't know this yet, but last Tuesday we began another Good News Club coming out of Bowie Elementary. We had 54 registered and 50 in attendance. So way to go, First Baptist Church. I'm so excited about what God is doing in our midst. Now this morning, I want to invite you to dive back in with me into our ongoing study of the Gospel of Mark. You may remember that we began this study all the way back in August, the remarkable life of Jesus. We're studying the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be in this study until Easter Sunday. We're going to culminate in Mark chapter 16. Now, our passage this morning comes from the final earthly week of Jesus' life, As a matter of fact, every one of these sermons up until Easter is going to be in the final earthly week of Jesus. And the passage that we're going to study today is going to reveal a stark contrast between religious hypocrites and a faithful woman. And I just want to kind of lay out what the big contrast is between these two. You see, the hypocrites, we're going to read about in just a moment, they were show-offs seeking attention 
But this unnamed, unnoticed widow was neglected and ignored by everybody except Jesus Christ. The religious show-offs were mostly interested in what they could get in life, but this unnoticed widow was only interested in what she could give. The last thing is the show-offs received the condemnation of the Lord Jesus, but this very simple widow received the commendation from our Lord Jesus. So as we study these two contrasting pictures, it should be our desire to do what? To avoid the attitude of the hypocrites and to take on the actions of the widows. So with that, I want you to take your Bible today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12. Let's go ahead and stand as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. We're going to begin in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. And you'll see we're going to start with those show-off hypocrites. And then we'll transition to the widow's offering, beginning in verse 41. So let's read these two stacked side by side as the contrast for which they were intended. Um, The Gospel of Mark gives us this. As Jesus taught, he said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour, look at this, widows' houses, and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. And then in verse 41 it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. I'm going to repeat what I just said before we read the passage. Today our goal is this. To recognize and avoid the attitude of the hypocrites. But to take on the very action of the widow. God bless you. You may be seated. Now at first glance, because of the break in the scripture that we see how it's divided, these These two passages seem like they're disconnected. It can seem to us today like they're randomly placed, but I believe with all my heart there's a reason that God put them together. And so I want us to consider these two contrasting truths. The title of this message today is Disgusting or Delighting. Where does that title come from? Well, you'll understand when I give you this first point. Show-off religion is disgusting to Jesus. Let's start with that very firm, founded statement today that show-off religion is disgusting to Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever known somebody who was just a show-off? Have you ever known somebody who was just a show-off? And let me ask you how they were received in the social circles in which they ran. The definition of a show-off is to make a deliberate or pretentious display of one's abilities or accomplishments. And the harshest words that Jesus ever offered were aimed at these religious show-offs in the Scripture. 
And here's why Jesus was so irate about these behaviors, because true Christianity has never been about religion. It's always been about a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You see, if you're here this morning and you're trying to be religious, you've misunderstood the whole thing. And here's what you need to recognize. Put it very simply, religion is our effort to get reconnected to God, but Christianity is God's effort to connect with us. And that's the difference in the two. Jesus had tons to say about people who were just religious show-offs. Let me offer for us today two symptoms of show-off religion. I think it's important for us to see it for what it is and how it acts. And here's the very first one. Show-off religion is concerned with outward appearance. And Jesus said these show-offs love to what? They love to walk around in their flowing robes. They wanted people to notice how they dressed when they went to church. Now let me address this for a moment, okay? There's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes to church. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if you do it so people will think you're religious, if you do it so people will think, well, that person knows what church is all about, then you've just become a show-off. Now, I want to say this. We obviously don't have a dress code at First Baptist Church. We don't. I've heard comments around town, well, if you don't have nice clothes, you can't go to First Baptist Corsicana, but that's hogwash. Now, I like to dress nice. I do this. I I grew up being taught you ought to give God your very best, and, and I still try to do that. And some of us dress up when we come to church. Some don't, but God's not really interested in those things, right? I think we ought to dress respectful. I think we ought to dress as we can, right? But it's not about being showy, or it shouldn't be. Reminds me of a story. This preacher from the Baptist church visited a family, invited them to church, and the family said, well, pastor, we, we can't come because we just don't have any nice clothes. So the pastor went and talked to some of the members, and they took up an offering. They, they bought this family some very nice clothes, and the next Sunday, the family still didn't show up to church. Well, on Monday, that Baptist preacher, he went back knocking on their door, and he asked them, hey, why weren't y'all in church? We bought you those clothes, and the husband said this, well, pastor, we got up on Sunday morning, and we put on these fancy new clothes, and we looked so nice that we decided to go to the Episcopal church instead. (laughs) Now, folks, Jesus was saying that inward purity, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Inward purity has nothing to do with outward appearance. When you go all the way back to the Old Testament, you see this stated very bluntly that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks where? At the heart. God looks upon the heart. The most important thing as we gather in this place is not to be showy, but it's to look inside at the heart. Show-off religion is concerned with outward appearance. Let me give you a second symptom of show-off religion. It loves public recognition. Jesus spoke to this also. He said the religious leaders, they loved being greeted in the marketplace. They loved sitting at the seats of honor at all of the banquets that were offered in the community. To them, religion gave them special status. In the Jewish world, the most important person, right, they got more recognition than anybody else. And if you fast forward to today, some Christians still expect the same thing. Some pastors still expect the same thing. 
let me tell you a story. I learned about this early in my ministry. Uh, we had had a wonderful vacation Bible school. I'm not going to tell you the location to protect the guilty, just in case they're watching today, okay? But we had had this great vacation Bible school. It was phenomenal. We had reached many, many kids, and as the pastor of the church, what did I do? Well, I wrote this big thank you note in the church publication, right, the newsletter. And I think so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and I tried to think of everybody, but guess what? You know how it went? I forgot to name somebody. And that next week, they came and they gave me what for. Why? Because they wanted recognition. Is that what the service was all about? Is that why they served in vacation Bible school? Some people want to be recognized for their religious acts. And if they don't get it, they're gone, right? They're going to go to a different church where the pastor lists their name. Show off religion is what that is. I want you to listen to what Christ said in verse 40 because we can skip over this very fiery statement. Before the transition in verse 41, he said, Such men, such women, such people will be punished most severely. Why? Because it's a sin. And let me say it like this. It's a religious sin. That's the first part of the message. That show-off religion is disgusting to Jesus. But now let's go to the other side. Show-off religion is disgusting to Jesus, but here's the other side. Sacrificial giving is delighting to Jesus. And I think this whole episode, starting in verse 41, quite frankly, I think it was a very sincere welcome relief for our Lord. And let me remind you, this is the last week before Christ goes to the cross. He's been debating and battling the Jewish mafia. They're on his heels. They just won't stop, right? I can imagine these constant confrontations were causing him great misery. But this unnamed widow, she became a blessing to Christ that day. I want you to look at your screen because I want to show you this painting or this scene. Now, this scene is a pretty decent depiction of what it might have looked like as Jesus looked across at the temple treasury. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us these details, so it's very easy for us to get this. This is what the temple looked like during the time of Jesus. The offering was given into 13 offering shofars. Now, I brought with me today a shofar um, so that you can see this. Now, this, this was a smaller shofar, a ram's horn, right? Um, in, in the Old Testament, the priestly people, they would blow this like a horn. I'm not going to do it today because I'm terrible at it. Right, Tim? Yeah, I'm terrible at it. Say amen, Tim. Yeah, man, it was terrible. I tried in the office and they all came running. They thought somebody had died in my office. <laughs> but they used to blow this. But the offering shofars were much larger. There were 13 of those. Seven shofars for the tithes, six shofars for the offering. Now, this is about the midway point in the sermon, so I can say, show far, show good. I told you I like a groaner. I mean, I was honest with you. Let's learn three things about Jesus, all right? Let's learn three things about Jesus. Jesus watches when you give. Let's start with this principle. 
Jesus Christ watches when you give. You see, Jesus wasn't there just to watch people. He was actually watching the people make their offerings. Jesus is interested what I do with my money. Jesus is interested with what you, we do with our money. And let's just get right at it. There's nothing evil about money. Some people think the Bible says money is the root of all evil, but the Bible doesn't say that. We know what the Bible says. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a great servant, but it's a poor master, isn't it? It's a poor master. But Jesus was there watching that day. And he was watching as the wealthy gave their large gifts. There's nothing wrong with giving a large offering to the Lord, right? We should do it if we can. I mean, where would the church be? If wealthy people didn't give generously, we should all give generously. But that's not what got Christ's attention on this day. He didn't say anything about those that came and poured in the coins and caused all the clanging for everybody to turn their head and watch. Jesus commented on this poor little widow who threw in two small copper coins, the text says, less than the value of a penny. I have to suspect the disciples didn't notice. The priest didn't notice. Nobody gave her any attention, right? But Jesus did. I read this story years ago, and I thought it appropriate to tell it now. G. Campbell Morgan was a famous British pastor from the Westminster Chapel in London. And one Sunday, he preached this exact passage we're talking about today. And on that Sunday, during the moment when the offering plates were being passed, and we don't do that anymore here. But he he came down out of the pulpit, and he literally, this is a true story, he walked along each pew, and he looked down at the people as they were giving. He did it from the front to the back of the sanctuary. Well, some of the people got offended. You would too, right? But he got back in the pulpit that day, and then he told them why. He preached this message and he said, I was watching because I wanted to remind you that God is watching. And that's pretty brave. I'm not going to do that as your pastor, okay? I don't know what anybody gives in this church except for me. And I think that's the way it ought to be. A pastor shouldn't be put in a position to make some sort of fleshly judgment on whether you're giving or not. That's not my business. It's God's business. God knows, doesn't he? God's watching. You say, well, pastor, why is God interested? Why is Jesus interested in this? Well, he's interested in what you give because it's an expression of your love. He doesn't want your offering, you see. He wants you. He wants you. He wants all of you. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And that's why this is so important. Jesus watches what we give. I see that in this passage. The second thing I see, Jesus knows your tough circumstances. Now let's look at a painting. I got it backwards earlier. I want you to see this. This is painted by an American artist. His name is James Christensen. And this is the same scene. Now, that's striking, isn't it? Why? Because he paints her as a young widow. And I think that's appropriate because all widows are not elderly. He paints her as a young widow. And I want you to look around her. Look at all those Pharisees 
practicing their show-off, flashing lights religion. But Jesus looks across, right? And we see in the story, he kind of knows everything about her. He knew that she gave out of her poverty. He knew that she gave all she had, kind of like the story of the woman at the well. He knew everything about her. He knows this woman is alone. He knows these are her last two penny fractions, right? Well, how did Christ know all of that? Because he's God. Because he's God in the flesh. And he's still God, isn't he? And he still knows. And he still knows about us. Today, maybe you're here and you're lonely. Today, maybe your life resembles this woman in some way. And if that's you, I've got a word for you. You need to hear this from Scripture. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, he never says that our hearts won't break. He never promises that our spirit won't be crushed. But he says, hey, I'm aware of your pain. And I know what you're feeling and I care. And I'm going to help you through that. We have people in our church that are battling cancer. Maybe that's you. We have people in our church that are still grieving over the loss of a loved one. Maybe that's you. Others are out of work. You're looking for a job. You need a job. Some are dealing with children who are behaving in crazy ways. You actually are thinking somebody switched your child in the hospital. You don't even know who this kid is anymore. Some are tired of being the primary caregiver for a sick loved one. I could list those things for hours, right, that people are going through. I may not get to every tough circumstance, but you know what I do know? That God knows. He knows what you're going through. And here's the most important part, he cares. He cares about you. He knows about your tough circumstances. Let me give you a third thing we learn about Jesus. He appreciates the value of sacrifice. And I think this is really intriguing. We don't read one single word in Scripture about Jesus saying anything else about somebody else's offering. But he did hers. He held her up for all of history to know. We would never know about this woman except Jesus made a point that we know her. You see, if the priest had compiled a list of givers that day, she wouldn't even have made the list much less the last name on the list, right? But she was the first one on the list where it really matters on God's list. She mattered to him. And here's the deal. Here's why God has a different valuation system than we do. We think $100 is more than $1, but God doesn't look at the size of the gift. He looks at what you have left after you have given. A person can give $100 and still have $1,000 to spend. But when somebody gives their last dollar, friend, that grabs heaven's attention. God's value system is totally different than mine and yours. The widow gave what? 100%. I mean, this was real sacrifice. She didn't know where her next meal was going to come from. She had nothing promised for her tomorrow. She gave everything she had. And heaven stood up and Jesus Christ stood up and he said, Hey, look at that and remember it for the rest of history. I think when you bring it all down, and I think this is the heart of this whole story, that Jesus honored this widow because he too 
was thinking about sacrifice. As he watched her place those two small penny fractions in the offering shofar, he was mindful that in just a few days he was going to be paying the ultimate sacrifice also. Within 72 hours, he knew he was going to be nailed to that old rugged cross. He would sacrifice the priceless silver of his tears, the precious gold of his blood. So for us, when we look at the cross, when we stare through this story to see what Jesus was probably thinking about, we say, like the poor widow, I too want to surrender everything I have and everything that I am to you, Jesus. Let me close with this. Isaac Watts, great hymn writer of a previous generation, wrote a song in 1707. And the first verse says this. You're going to know it. He wrote, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gains I count but loss, but pour contempt on all my pride. And then the final verse, it's the kicker. It's my favorite. He said, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Know this, sacrificial living, 